0: Good afternoon and welcome back. Thank you for being back this afternoon. Hope and pray you got a nap in. I know you haven't, but I imagine you're thinking about it. Just don't do it this hour. You can give me just a few minutes, we'll be out of here, and you can go home and recline and get all the rest you need. We appreciate Brother Billy leading our singing this afternoon. It was good to have Jacob lead our singing this morning. And we're thankful to have you with us this afternoon. Our numbers were down this morning. When did school get out? When? Okay, I thought it was coming up pretty soon. I didn't know if folks had already gotten out or not. You know, when you get old, you lose touch with time. But we do appreciate our young folks, those who are graduating, those who are gonna be embarking on new opportunities before them. We wanna pray for them. And to those who are continuing their education, whether it be elementary school all the way through high school, we pray that you'll have a good summer, safe summer, and then next year you'll have a wonderful year. We're looking in our lesson today at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What I want to do is look at some things that will help us in terms of healthy living. So I want to begin by asking you this question Is it possible? to be healthy physically? Well, the answer is yes, isn't it? Typically, physicians will tell you that in order to maintain good physical health, you need to eat right, be sure and exercise, stay away from tobacco and alcohol. If you do those things, then in all probability, You're going to be healthy. Well, spiritually speaking, is it possible for us to maintain good spiritual health in the Lord? Again, the answer would be yes. So here's the question. How then can we make sure that we're living a healthy life in Christ Jesus? What I want to do is talk about some divine instructions for healthy living found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the passage read a moment ago. And there are four things I want to share with you that I think will help us as we try to live for God on a daily basis, maintaining a strong spiritual foundation in this life. So number one, let's talk about our attitude in the Lord. Whether we we realize it or not, attitude in many respects is everything, isn't it? Some in our world today, they see the glass half empty. Others see the glass half full. How do you see the glass? Here's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Number one, Paul said to rejoice always. So with regard to our Christian life. What Paul is saying in terms of trying to live a a healthy life in Christ Jesus. First and foremost, to live a life of joy. That joy is rooted in the Lord, isn't it? In John chapter 15 at verse 11, you remember Jesus said in the shadow of the cross, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So number one, the cause of our joy. The cause of our joy is our relationship to the Lord, isn't it? I can't help but think about Jesus in Luke chapter 10, when he instructed the disciples in the long ago to rejoice not because the spirits were made subject to him, to them, but rather because their names were written in heaven. And so the cause of our joy goes back to the relationship that we have with the Lord. All of the great blessings and favors that come our way because we belong to Him. So there is the cause of our joy and then the constancy of our joy. Again, listen to Jesus. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Now, what was it you said, Paul? Rejoice always. A passage we looked at in a previous lesson. Going back to Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were beaten, placed in prison. Their feet were fastened in stocks. And these guys, they have suffered immeasurably for the cause of Christ. And yet Luke tells us at midnight, what were they doing? They were praying and singing praise to God. Did Paul practice what he preached? He did, didn't he? You remember, for example, when he wrote one of his prison epistles in the book of Philippians chapter 4? And Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord, again I will say, Rejoice! Paul knew something about the constancy of the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. Every blessing that we have spiritually goes back to the Lord, doesn't it? So there is this attitude that ought to be prevalent in our life, day in, day out. But then there's also our gratitude in the Lord. Paul said, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So let's just talk for a moment or two about the source of all of our blessings. The many blessings that you enjoy in this life. To whom do you attribute those blessings? Do you remember what the psalmist said many years ago? Bless be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits. The psalmist there underscoring the daily benefits that we have in God and from God. Now, Paul said that we ought to live a life of gratitude in the Lord. He said, in everything give thanks. James said, Every good gift, every perfect gift, comes down from above, from the Father of lights. When the Apostle Paul preached that great sermon about the one true God in Acts chapter 17, you remember those people were living in spiritual darkness. As a matter of fact, Luke said that Paul's spirit was stirred within him. The reason being because the city was given over to idolatry. In that context, Paul had the opportunity to share with them something about the one true living God. And he said, of God, he said, He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. I would underscore that little three-letter word, all. Furthermore, it's in Him that we live, move, and have our very being. God is the source of all of our blessings. The scope of all of our... Every single blessing we have, physically, mentally, spiritually, materially, every blessing goes back to one party. Almighty God. God is the one who has blessed us immeasurably. How often do you take time in your busy schedule to reflect upon the many blessings that you have through Christ. And in that light, how often do you express to God how grateful you are to live on a planet that He created. You think about this. We drink His water. We enjoy His sunshine and rain, don't we? We breathe His air. Every physical need that we have goes back to Almighty God. Without Him, we would be nothing. And so then you go over to the book of Philippians chapter 4. This attitude of gratitude. Paul said, in nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God another prison epistle in Colossians chapter 4 at verse 2 Paul encouraged those people in the first century to continue steadfastly in prayer and then he said watching therein with thanksgiving are we blessed physically mentally materially intellectually the answer is yes but most importantly, we're blessed spiritually. In Ephesians 1, verse 3, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We're people of faith, aren't we? And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We're instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. Because of our obedient faith, We have fellowship with the Lord. And not just fellowship, but we enjoy the forgiveness of our sins. To know that every single sin has been washed away by the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. When the Hebrew writer said on behalf of God concerning the covenant under which we now live, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Are there things in your past that in your heart of hearts you wish would just stay in the past? You'd rather not people know about them? You'd rather not people bring them up? Things that maybe you've done that are out of character with a Christian? What God's saying to us is, those sins I will forgive and forget in the sense, we'll never talk about it again. Gone purged well how by his blood Paul said in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace the finished work of God on Calvary God's grace mercy and love all of that was a part of the redemptive plan No wonder Paul would say, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He's made us accepted in the beloved. So there is this opportunity that we have as Christians to bow our heads in the presence of God and to express our constant thanksgiving for all of His blessings. And by the way, one of the great blessings we have is prayer, isn't it? Didn't Peter say that? The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. When you pray to Almighty God to know with certainty that every syllable uttered is heard by Almighty God. So our faith in God, our fellowship, our forgiveness, and then what a future we have. Paul said we live in hope of life eternal which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. We sing the song from time to time, we're bound for the promised land. Is that true or false? It's true, isn't it? And John said that there's coming a day when we will see Him as He is. We'll be like Him. To be face to face with our Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer. There's a third thing. Our certitude in the Lord. And the idea here is that we have absolute knowledge about God's truth. We understand His divine word. And why is that? Because we have put it to the test. Can I be certain about my salvation? Can I be certain about my relationship to God? Can I be certain about my future with God? Well, the answer to those questions is yes, yes, yes. So Paul said, prove or test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Do you believe everything you hear? When you turn on the radio and you listen to advertisers, do you believe everything that they're saying about a particular product or service? When you watch the news, you believe everything those guys have to say on the news? So why then is it that sometimes we believe everything we hear when it comes to matters in the spiritual realm? No, Paul said, you prove all things, you test all things. In other words, there's the call here to investigate the truth of Almighty God. I have the responsibility of sifting through this book, we call it the Bible, and maybe we need to reintroduce this book to the world and to the country in which we live. This is called the Holy Bible for a reason. And Paul said, it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction, in righteousness' sake. So, this book is the standard. Everything has to be sifted through this inspired book, doesn't it? I've got to be willing to investigate the truth of Almighty God. When somebody preaches or teaches or says something in relationship to faith. Rather than just listening to it and accepting it, I need to be like the Bereans of old, who searched the Scriptures, listen to Him, daily to see whether those things are so. There are a lot of people in the religious world today. The sad failure of the vast majority of people is They have not investigated or done their homework in matters pertaining to faith and practice. Now, if you hear a lie, believe a lie, and practice a lie, what then? No, Paul said, you prove all things. You test all things. Shouldn't we be willing to investigate the truth of Almighty God? To raise the hood and to do our homework? To make sure that what we're listening to, what we're believing, is indeed found in this book called the Bible. It doesn't take a lot of rat poison to kill somebody. By the same token, it doesn't take but just a little bit of false doctrine to destroy someone, spiritually speaking. So we got to be willing to investigate the truth of Almighty God. And listen, in a day and time when people say, there are no absolutes, and you can't know the truth, here's what Jesus said. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth and truth alone is what makes people free from sin, isn't it? And Jesus said, if the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. So we investigate the truth. We come to a knowledge of truth. We believe it, obey it, and then practice it on a daily basis. So there is the investigation of truth. And then secondly, our consecration to truth. Paul said, I want you to prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. That would imply that some things aren't good. That would imply that there are some things that I need to be willing to reject. To simply say, I can't do that. I can't practice that. I can't live like that. Why? Because it doesn't coincide with truth. One of the real problems in our nation and in some places in the church is that there is a lack of consecration to the truth of Almighty God. You are to be the light of the world as I am to be the light of the world. You're to be the salt of the earth as I am to be the salt of the earth. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. If our world is going to know something about truth, We have to be the ones that are willing to vocalize that. We've got to be the ones that shout from the housetops. This is what the Bible says. Go back and read Acts 2, verse 42. The early church. Do you remember what Luke said about those early Christians? That they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What is the apostles' doctrine? It's the truth of Almighty God. If we ever walk away from the truth, we lose our right to exist as the body of Christ. If we ever sell out the truth in this location, it's time to take the sign down up front, isn't it? It's time to pull our shingle down. Why? Because we're no longer members of, the, we're no longer a part of that body that is to be consecrated to divine truth. There's a fourth thing our fortitude in the Lord. Listen now to what Paul said. Abstain from every form of evil. The devil has cornered the market when it comes to marketing and advertising, hasn't he? The allure, the allure of the world Doesn't the devil have the ability to make things look so attractive and appealing? When the devil appeared in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that Eve, when she saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes. Well, there have been a lot of folks in our world today. Their faith has been undermined because of the allure of evil. The devil can paint it up, dress it up, and make it look so good. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said, Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why, Paul? That you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the devices, the methodologies of the devil. The devil has a lot of tools in his toolbox. And there are a lot of things that he uses to try to allure us into the world. So what Paul is saying, you want to live a healthy life in Christ Jesus? You want to have a strong faith and be what you ought to be? To live as you ought to live? You've got to develop the mantra, you're going to abstain from every form of evil. So there's the allure of the world, but then secondly, the abstinence. Paul is saying, look, you need to abstain. There are some things that you need to just say right off the bat, no, I can't do that. There are some folks, there are some people that quite frankly, we do not need to be associating with. Now listen, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we don't reach out to people who are in sin and try to convert them to Christ. But there are some people because of their lifestyle and their habits I do not need to associate with regularly. Why is that? Solomon said, My son, if sinners entice you, consent not. Proverbs 1.10. Paul said it like this, evil companionship corrupts good morals. You just hang around people that have unhealthy practices, spiritually speaking. They like to smoke. They like to drink. Smoke pot. Take various types or forms of recreational drugs. They like to go to places that are unsavory, you just hang out with those people. I can tell you what, they will destroy your faith. There are some places, there are some people, and there are some practices a child of God has no business being a part of. That's it. I don't know how Paul could be any plainer. Abstain from the very form of evil. Stay away from it. Many of us have been to the zoo. There are certain places at the zoo that I like to just go and observe. I like to see the lion and the tiger, the king of the jungle. I like to look at snakes, but I'm not going to go behind the glass and sit down with the lion or the tiger. And I'm sure not going to put my hand behind the glass and pick up a rattlesnake or copperhead or Black Mamba, or some other type of... Why? Because I understand that can be dangerous to my physical health. So what Paul is saying is, you want to maintain a right relationship to God, and you want to be healthy in the Lord, then you've got to have some fortitude. We are living in a day and time when our faith is under assault. And there are people that have no problem verbalizing their disdain for Christianity and the Word of God. And yet here we are. We're in the world. We're not of the world, but we are in the world. What we're trying to do is guard or protect our faith. A minute ago we talked about the truth of Almighty God. Here's what Paul said, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That sword, offensive and defensive. So we stand for what's right. In a kind, loving way, we share the gospel with other people. But we're not going to let anything come between us and the Lord. So how about your life today? How healthy is your lifestyle? That might be that you eat right, you exercise, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you got a lot of good habits. But spiritually speaking, you're not where you need to be. You don't read the Bible, you don't pray, you don't try to grow as a Christian, you're not involved in the work. And so... What you need to do is try to get back on track. How do you do that? Well, just realize where you are. Make the resolve today. Resolve right now that I'm going to take better care of myself, spiritually speaking. In this country, if we spent more time and money on spiritual things, we'd be a lot better off. And I can tell you this, we'd be better off in the church, too. The reason why the wheels have come off in the lives of some people in the body of Christ is because they have not invested in spiritual things. And If you don't invest in spiritual things, you're going to pay the price, aren't you? So what would you need to do? Well, you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God to understand that Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be, to repent of your sins, to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. You remember Paul in Acts 17, Mars Hill, when he said, The times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. That's still good scripture. And then to be baptized into Christ so that we might enjoy the forgiveness of sins, Acts two thirty eight. And that's good scripture too. The Lord then adds us to the church, Acts two, verse forty seven. If you're here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you need the prayers of the church here, it might not necessarily be a spiritual problem, but maybe you're having some type of physical problem under mental duress, emotional strains, and you need the saints to pray with you and for you. We would be more than honored to do so. Won't you come as we stand and sing?